You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today we're here with Chris Christensen. He is from the Amateur Traveler Podcast, which he has been running since 2005. I asked him beforehand if he had 600 episodes out, but cumulatively, he has over 1,200 episodes. It looks like he's getting about a half a million monthly downloads. He's got another travel uh, podcast this week in travel, co-hosted by former Live Different podcast guest Gary Arndt. And uh, I really like what Chris Gillibu had said about him. Uh, I really appreciated this, of, of course, because he was another podcast guest in a world of copycats and travel bloggers who have never traveled. Traveled, The Amateur Traveler podcast stands out as highly legitimate. So that is, uh, yeah, those are that is high praise right there. So Chris, welcome. Well, thanks, and and darn it, I just took that quote off the top of the website so that I could put in a uh, a book travel widget. So, <laughs> ah, okay. What, Not that uh, I don't appreciate Chris Gillibo's quote, but no, I, I got I actually pulled that from your media kit. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, it was. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I've seen your name plenty of times cross the internet and it's it's great to connect we were talking before a little bit off camera uh, i'm here in austin and uh you just got back from TravelCon uh here in austin we somehow missed the deadline and they offered us a booth at the last minute and we said well we don't want to really pay if whatever several thousand dollars <laughs> it was to represent under 30 experiences there but uh that's all right. How did you, where are you coming from today? Let's start there. Uh, San Jose, California. I'm a Silicon Valley guy. Okay, excellent. And that's your, that's your day job when you're not, and this is why you are amateur traveler. Is that right? That's right. Well, oh. that's sort of right. Amateur from the Latin means what? Hmm. Uh, means to do something for love. Amas amore uh, amateur, all the same root word. Okay, like amor. I can, yeah, exactly. I can uh, convert that into into Spanish. You speak several languages. Is that correct? Uh, no, I speak English when properly caffeinated, but I've dabbled <laughs> in other languages over the years. <laughs> okay. Okay. But some interesting ones, uh, as I understand. Well, yeah, but all I have left is, you know, I don't speak your language very well in, you know, io parlo italiano non molto bene. Uh, I speak a little Swahili, though. That's kind of like all the, the last phrase I remember in most languages. So <laughs> that will that will get you far. Believe it. Believe yeah, it. Yeah, but not. it gets you. It gets you speaking back to you in all those other words you don't understand. So <laughs> yes, yeah, that is that is absolutely uh, absolutely correct. And I, I, I'm curious, Chris, if you've ever decided you probably get this question a lot but if you've decided to travel for more than just love in your past if you decide if you ever wanted to really become professional or or full-time because you're of course you're monetizing your podcast and all that but uh do you ever dream about uh taking off and packing up which probably traveling full-time no yes. okay. um in, in part because i'm i'm married and my wife is not ready to do that and she's got a full-time job all right uh she's finally working her dream job after doing you know other things for most of her career life um and so it's my turn to support her uh, but also i think we really don't have a desire to just completely hit the road we got a house and a mortgage here sure. Yeah, I'd like to travel more. I think for me, perfect is probably about a third of the year. Okay. Um, last year I did 122 days. This year is going to be a lot less than that, I think. Um, you know, and it depends obviously on the mix. But uh, a couple of corrections. So uh, not usually doing uh, half a million podcast downloads a month, although my best month ever was this year and was 450,000 downloads. So that that was a good month, and it was almost there. Uh, no, I've, I've done about uh, 3.5 million downloads this year, and we're talking on November the 7th, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We we sure are. I, I 
just looked at the lines going in an upward direction on your That's media. That's right. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, there's a seasonality. So what I, what you haven't seen is the next month, then it goes uh-huh. then it goes back down. And so, you know, this is the time of year where I'm going, oh. <laughs> well, I, I'm not mad at you, Chris. Those are impressive oh, numbers. They're they're much they're about twice last year. Uh, I may get to twice last year, which was 1.9 million. So it's it's been a good year, sure. but. Uh, but not quite as good a year as, as you were saying. And then also the 13, I've done 1300 episodes, but not of Amateur Traveler. Amateur Traveler, I think you were correct, is about 630-ish. I, and I, I got, saw 630. Yeah, I've got some in the can, so I don't remember exactly where we are. But then I have uh, I have four podcasts total, uh, three travel podcasts. The two that you mentioned, plus one that targets uh, travel, marketing, and PR people. Excellent. Excellent. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Because uh, it, sure. it looks like you have a side business uh, doing PR and, and or maybe you're not the one doing the PR and travel. But tell me, uh, tell me a little bit more about that side business that you have. Yeah, I don't know what's a, what's a side business and what is multiple business sure. Sure. these days. But, uh, but yeah, no, I run a website called Blogger Bridge. Uh, which a number of bloggers have run into, especially in the travel space where we try and connect companies and bloggers. Um, and so, for instance, when I was at TravelCon, one of the reasons that I was there was I was speaking, but the other reason is that my software was facilitating the speed networking for TravelCon, um, as we have for uh, for TBEX and for NMX back when that conference was around as well. So, yeah, so that's a, in part, I quit the full-time job to be able to travel more and then also be able to work on Blogger Bridge was the intention. Um, and so, yeah, I'm trying to work my way into professional travel journalists, uh, getting there, but uh, still the bulk of my revenue is made up through either Blogger Bridge, although that's still a small part, and then most of it is uh, software consulting. Okay. Um, but it's it's a mix of things right now. <laughs> sure. Well, I was going to ask because I saw in your your bio it said uh, by day that you work at a startup in Silicon Valley and that you were a. Trade. Oh, that means I update my I need to update my bio. I I haven't been have had him had a full time job now for five years. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then I'm contracting for about four different companies for various amounts, some small different contracts, some medium size. And then my biggest client was uh, timeout.com that uh, travelers may be familiar with doing some technical things with them. Sure, which is why I called uh, your business a side business because I saw that you yeah, had a full time job. <laughs> uh, no, that that makes some sense. Um, yeah, what did you think of TravelCon? I'm I'm curious. Oh well, it, definitely both the first one and the best one ever. Uh, I thought it was a good conference. I thought Matt, for especially for his first conference, did a good job. But even if it wasn't his first, I think it was still a good conference. Um, you know, not just the best because it was uh, his first, but I thought it, I thought it was a great conference. I think it emphasized, um, I think his emphasis was really on the content, especially the, you know, trying to get in people outside the travel business and for keynotes, which I thought were interesting. Um, I was a little surprised how many people there were newbies. I somehow got the impression that was not what his audience was going to be. But of course, he's in a major metropolitan area, so when you, whenever a travel conference is in a major metro, it's easier for people who live there to say, "Oh, I want to start a travel blog. I think I'll go." And Tbex had the same thing when they were in Toronto. That was probably the most, the highest percentage of people who were newbies because Toronto has a lot of people in it. So they were glad to go since it was local. No, that that definitely makes some sense. Um, so you said that there were a lot of newbies there. There were. There were certainly some of us who'd been doing it for a very long time as well. But I think quite a few people were just getting started or had been, you know, had started so they could come to the conference or something like that. Okay. And and for anybody listening, this is uh, Nomadic Matt's uh, yeah. conference and uh, a different Matt, uh, also also Nomadic, but a, a, a different one um, than myself. But uh, Lives in Austin, by the way. So. Ah, okay. I, d- I didn't realize that he was here. I think that's I- why the first conference was there. Where did I meet him? I met well, him I think he lives in Austin part-time and New York, I think, part-time nowadays. Gotcha. He owns a hostel in uh, Austin. Oh, okay. Do you, do you know which hostel? I um, I don't know, but it's not the Nomadic Matt Hostel, so <laughs> I don't remember off the top of my head. Okay, interesting, because we host events at times uh, with under 30 experiences at 
places uh, at different hostels around uh, Austin. So I'm curious, maybe we've even crossed paths it, and didn't know it, it is quite possible. Pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty pop, uh, possible. But what I was going to say is that his audience is a little bit more newbie travelers or, uh, or experienced sure, yeah. people or younger well. people at least. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Sure. HK Austin is the name of the hostel he owns. Huh? Okay. I don't know that I know HK Austin, but, uh, I guess I haven't been here for, for, for too long. Um, but anyway, uh, Chris, you said that you were taking off somewhere and I couldn't wait to ask you where you headed. Uh, so I'm doing a family trip to Japan, and then I'm flying from Japan to uh, Southern Africa to do a safari in Botswana as a press trip. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, how how are you going to get from Japan to Botswana? What's your route? Uh, through Singapore. Okay. That makes sense. And then Singapore to, I don't know, Dubai or Johannesburg. somewhere? Johannesburg. Oh, wow. Yeah. Spending the night in Johannesburg and then flying up to Botswana. Whoa, Singapore to Johannesburg. I wonder if you kind of, you know, when you fly from North America to Asia, you're always going up north over your, your Polish right, ice right. gap. Do you think, are you going to go to the south? I've never flown that way. Uh, it's probably arc would arc to the south, sure. If you drew it on the, the globe, it would look a little different than it would on a flat map. Huh, Okay. Yeah, interesting. I never gave that any consideration, but we are so uh, northern hemisphere focused as right. a not as a society, but uh, as as the world. Most of the economic activity happens in in the the northern hemisphere. Uh, but I bet you've been to some cool places in the southern hemisphere, huh? I have been to some warm places in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, no, I've been to some cool places there as well. Uh, yeah, I've done more of my travel in the Northern Hemisphere than the Southern Hemisphere. I've been to Sub-Saharan Africa just once before. Uh, I've been to you know Australia, New Zealand, uh, Southeast Asia a couple times, three, four times. Um, South, South America only once. Okay. So what's your – I'm curious uh, for people who are not familiar uh, with you, what your travel style is. What does – when you think of, all right, I'm going on a trip, what does that usually entail? Uh, well, it depends. It depends whether I'm going uh, solo, whether I'm going sponsored, whether I'm going uh, with family and friends. If I'm going with family and friends versus solo, I I see about half as much sure. <laughs> because we slow the pace down a little bit to be something a little more reasonable. Uh, you know, when I'm traveling by myself, I don't spend a lot of time dining at fancy restaurants or things like that. I'm I'm grab and go and see and run and walk and shoot pictures and all sorts of things so so it's a different pace um and obviously if you're on a press trip then you have no control over the the itinerary right. uh, which means you say yes selectively <laughs> so um because just because somebody's inviting you doesn't mean that you necessarily want to go so right and, and what's your favorite out of those going alone going with the family uh my favorite is a trips. mix okay my, my favorite is honestly a mix i so i'm going with my wife and two kids and they're adults so one of them is bringing her spouse and we just always have fun whenever we're together so that's going to be great fun but i also do enjoy going on my own sometimes and just having complete control of my schedule but then you don't have anybody to talk about how great that was or something sure so. sure and, and actually one of the reasons i like going doing things i know some bloggers won't do press trips anymore but i enjoy like a blogger trip where you're getting to hang out with other bloggers and can say well what are you doing for that and how does that work for you and all of those sorts of questions that you can have in you know the van on the way up to wherever you're going or sure Sure, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what are what are some of those conversations that do happen? I'm curious because I'm on you know I'm on a tour operator, so I'm on the other side of of sure. things. Of course, when we subcontract out to tour operators in I don't know name your place, New Zealand to uh, Brazil or, or Panama, for example. Of course, mm -hmm. we go on. They're not press trips, but they're uh, preview trips. Um, sure, fan trips. Yeah, so we'll go on those type of, of trips, but the conversations are amongst 
tour operators, which is definitely I've, a different. I've been com- on a few of those. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's a different conversation than the press trips. I'm curious uh, what's trending or, or what you hear. A lot of it is the same, and then the you know the the rest of there's some you know thirty three percent gossip. Can you believe that they did that? Uh, which I try not to take part in, but there's there's some of that that goes on, and or so and so is doing something really cool. Did you have you heard about that? Uh, or I'm trying this new way of making money on the site or I had a really good experience with such and such tour operator or really stay away from them because uh, they don't know what they're doing or uh, have you tried the new app such and such or what are you finding is working for SEO all sorts of technical things especially yo what what kind of technical stuff I'm I'm curious of uh, yeah what's what's on the rise as far as just you know, I mean, uh, we all know Instagram, well, so, of course, but there's yeah, lots but of tactics. Bit, yeah, a lot of the people I hang out with are not so much influencers. Okay. So, uh, I'm, I'm using the term influencer versus blogger. Uh, so content creators in a long form or in a long t- uh, term fashion versus Instagram, which is short form content and and doesn't matter five minutes from now. Um, So more people are bloggers, videographers, or podcasters who are creating uh, content that is, you know, still going to be around (laughs) tomorrow. Um, So I don't know as much about the Instagrammer community, uh, what the conversations are there and haven't been on as many press trips with that. Um, The, I think the big thing that's going on in the blogging world is there's a lot more pro bloggers. Bloggers have been around for a while who are really getting down to a lot of the the detailed technical details like SEO sure. that you know just never worried about them before. Or people are getting into you know finally getting around to affiliate marketing after you know having a blog for ten years and like I can't believe that I've been giving up this you know potential revenue or things like that. So there's a lot of things that are just just the business aspect of the blogging. I, I'd say it's not, it doesn't, and the other thing that comes up, of course, is where have you been recently that's cool? Right. And, but that's that's always been the case. Right. Travelers. Yeah, travelers. I couldn't wait to ask you, oh man, where are you going? So, oh, sure. uh, yeah, that, that makes some sense. And, and one of our topics on uh, this podcast is, of course, business and and we we often do dive into marketing strategies and and so i'm i'm curious if if you don't mind me uh asking some more technical questions i i'm sure. curious if you're seeing a trend from you know i so i i used to be a, a blogger back in the day i had a, a website called under 30 ceo.com before we ran under 30 experiences and uh-huh. uh the uh, under 30 ceo we, we sold it in 2016 it was recently sold uh again so we're we're twice removed from the site but at the time we built it to about a half a million monthly unique visitors and we were deep into the SEO and uh, t- Twitter was more was was hotter and it was like oh what in- what influencer can we get to retweet this post <laughs> and you know link roundups and and getting the link backs and you know all these type of of, of different strategies and, and right. tactics uh, but the platform was someone opening their laptop and being on Safari or or Chrome and and typing in Uh Google or going to their favorite website. Now that's not where we live. We open Instagram, we open Facebook, we open our podcast app. uh, We open whatever app is, whatever we, whatever we do, whatever your demographic is, this could be Snapchat. uh, But on each of those platforms, now I'm seeing much more micro content being put out there. So it's not just, all right, I'm going to publish this on my WordPress blog and that's kind of it. So are, are you taking your content and putting on other platforms or are you just sticking with what's working? Well, I'm definitely trying to stick with what's working. <laughs> Always smart. <laughs> uh, so I would say I am heading exactly the opposite direction of that. Um, so what we're finding, for instance, works these days for bloggers um, is not micro content. It's longer content. Okay. Uh, Google is really rewarding content that is, you know, t- 2000 words in depth that answers the, the questions that are really being asked by the person who is trying to go there. Um, that's really what 
is uh, is being successful, and and of course mobile because you know if anybody who has a website these days, it's most likely more than fifty percent mobile. Sure. So you know responsive and and all those sorts of things make. Uh, you know, are just sort of table stakes at these points. Um, definitely, I you know, I've been in the long form content for a while in the sense that, you know, people tell you, well, the, the attention spans are short, so short these days. Well, as you know, from hosting a podcast, the stats are that on average, people listen to 90% of a podcast. Isn't that amazing? Um, when you start a podcast, you tend to tend to finish it. Uh, it depends, you know, it depends a little bit on the content and a little bit on the podcaster and, and those sorts of things. But quite often we're doing it while we're driving or walking the dog or washing the dishes and, and we're looking for something more useful to fill up that time. And so I have found that Amateur Traveler over the years has actually grown in length, not Terribly, probably gone from maybe a 30 minute average show to 45 minutes, but we'll do an occasional hour long show only if there's an hour long worth of content. It's still fairly uh, tightly edited, it's a fully edited show, um, but we're still looking for, you know, if there's lots of content. So we've got a show coming up, for instance, on Beijing. And at one point during the interview, I'm thinking, is this going to become a two part show? Because it was great content. And you know, I didn't really want to stop it. And I thought, well, if we have twice this much, then I've, or even half again this much, I probably will make this two-part show, which I've done very seldom. I, you know, and then on the other hand, I just edited a show that we did on Mauritius, and there's not as much to do in Mauritius, and so it's going to be a half-hour show. But um, but on average, the shows are getting a little longer as we try and cover things in the detail that is useful for the travelers who are listening. Um, and I've, and I've all, but no one ever brings up length to me at all, uh, make it longer, make it shorter or whatever. Um, and there was a lot of FUD out there on the internet that was, you know, podcasts need to be 22 minutes long because that's the length of an average Americans commute. Hmm. And it turns out this is wrong. <laughs> uh, most of the successful podcasts are longer. Right. Uh, the majority of them, not necessarily because longer is better, but because, you know, it's not just longer, it's longer and and has content in it. You know, I used to listen to a tech podcast that was 10 minutes of the best tech content every week. Unfortunately, it was a it was an hour long show. <laughs> you know, I'm not listening to them anymore. That that really isn't what I'm looking for. But if it were an hour-long show and it was an hour of the greatest tech content sure yeah okay i'll listen to that sure no that makes some sense i mean easiest easiest example is joe rogan going on for three hours most most days i mean i don't know how he does all the things that he does but uh and i find with podcasts that i don't it's very hard for me to actually listen to a new podcast, meaning a, a, with a new host and a new format. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, switching or subscribing to a new podcast, there's a barrier there for whatever reason. I like to have my, I don't know, 10, 15 podcasts that I sort through, but really I probably listen to to five most of the time. And then there's some others. If I, yeah, I trust this person's content. I trust this content. Um, do you, do, do you find this? I haven't this counted point? recently, but I remember I we used to be at 90 podcast subscriptions. I think I'm probably down to 60 or 70 at this point, but, uh, but I'm a junkie. Sure. Sure. And, and so I will, I will try out once I will, I will cycle through some, uh, after a while I'll, give up on some podcasts and try somebody else out. Uh, but it, it depends a lot on what I'm doing. I can't listen to podcasts while I'm, while I'm coding or obviously while I'm editing podcasts or while I'm writing articles. Uh, but I can listen to them during a lot of the rest of my life. I'll have earbuds in. No, that, that makes, that makes sense. It's always interesting to me what type of content that content producers consume. So I'm curious right. what's in your, what's in your bag of 90, podcasts oh well let's see it's got some history podcasts in there like uh hardcore history which you know drops every uh three months and is five hours long um the history of england podcast and uh the other history i'm listening to right now is revolutions by the same guy who did the uh, history of rome podcast great podcaster uh one of my favorites actually and then i listened to grammar girl and i listened to some tech podcasts like the daily tech news show which i actually do a 
contribute uh, somewhat for them and listen to MacCast and the Mac Power users and to some uh, news podcasts and uh, some you know, like the New York Times Daily Show. I won't listen to every episode of that because it's daily. <laughs> but, sure. you know, something interesting in there. Freakonomics, uh, some travel podcasts like uh, the Indie Travel Podcast I listen to, uh, have listened to for a long time. Um, I'd have to I'd have to look for the rest of them, but that's those are the ones that come to off the top of my head. No, Lots that's... of business podcasts too, business and startup podcasts especially, okay. yeah. No, that's uh, that's definitely a, a pretty good list. Um, I had what was I just going to ask you? Uh, I can't. I can't. Oh, discovery. So, how do you go about? I'm curious how you go about discovering new podcasts. I uh, usually through a podcast, somebody will mention something. <laughs> sure, sure. And, uh, I'll check it out or a friend will say, you know, when we get together at some meetup, somebody will say, oh, I'm listening to these this day or my wife will say, did you hear the latest podcast? I'm, you know, she was listening to Preet Bharara and recommended that I listen to that, which is, you know, the former uh, federal prosecutor has a show that does a lot of current events and more in depth uh, into different stories. And I like in depth in general. I like to learn stuff. No, that, that, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's something innate about travelers. It seems is travelers in general seem to be, or at least the ones I'd like to hang out with are people who really like to learn, who like to go about the world. I think that's the ones you like to hang out with. There's okay. really a, a great range of travelers. Yeah, uh, true. Some and like to also- be surrounded by their bubble of, you know, let, let's make it just like home. Uh, yes. so that's not my scene, but there are there are a great variety of travelers. And there, there are, and then there the, there are these other things called tourists, which are on a whole different level. In in my yeah. opinion, would you delineate sometimes too? No, I I don't really buy into that. The whole traveler versus tourist. I think that's just everybody trying to say I'm better than you. Right. <laughs> I do it the right way, and you do it the wrong way, and you know. I I think that if you're doing it some way that is not sustainable or if you're doing it in some way that is offensive, uh, then I think there are some wrong ways to do it. But, you know, I'm not – we don't talk, for instance, on Amateur Traveler about a, a beach vacation where you just go and lie on the beach because I think that's boring. But on the other hand, sometimes I want to do it. Sure. <laughs> so I really don't get into the whole, you know, uh, traveler versus tourist. I think it's really just uh, helping us be smug and self-important. <laughs> I, I can definitely understand that. But when you can point to the uh, folks who are traveling in a non-sustainable way or the heartbreak of, okay, you might have been to Padang Padang Beach in Bali 20 years ago, and now you come back and there is a massive Chinese resort uh, spewing with people all over the place and it's just completely overbuilt. Of course, yes, that's your own uh, egoic nostalgia kicking in, but it's also heartbreaking in a lot of in a lot of ways. It, it is, but you know, I, it's the thing where I've been in Venice, for instance, and had somebody who was complaining about the crowds. Well, he was wearing a Globus badge. I mean, he was on a big bus tour. Everywhere he went, there were crowds. He was with the crowd. Sure. Uh, you know, that would, that isn't my choice of where to travel or, or how to travel. I've done it before, and I enjoyed it, but it's not my preference. And really, part of what we do, part of the reason I do Amateur Traveler, too, is I want, as we're talking about destination, is really what we talk about. But in the process, I'm hoping that people will also pick up some travel skills and also pick up some confidence about going to different places. Uh, and, you know, we do, I do amateur travel tours, for instance, small group tours. And, uh, you know, I do them with some of the small group companies that give you some time on your own because I sort of see it as a, a way to develop the confidence to become an independent traveler. But that doesn't mean I don't want to sometimes travel in a group or sometimes go to the, you know, the big resort or whatever. Um, you know, there's this, this, those all those Chinese travelers are going to be someplace, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. They're traveling in greater and greater numbers. Uh, so uh, that is just now. the 
That is just the fact of uh, the economics these days. In fact, the other thing that's changing is I just read that it, by 2030, they're expecting China to be the most traveled to country in the world, upset, uh, displacing France, who has been that for the longest time. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Well, it's it's certainly a big country with a lot of different lots places. to do. Yeah, sure. exactly. Sure. Um, and increasingly easier to do. Um, I think I was oh. intimidated the first time I went, but it's it's not as intimidating as I thought it would be. Uh, Japan also, which I you know heading to the first time I went, I traveled on my own most of the time. I was there on a press trip and then stuck around to actually see Japan because uh, press trips don't always give you that opportunity. It was like okay, we're going to see the airport uh, lounge and we're going to go to the maintenance facility, which was very cool as a geek like me, but. I can't really tell you how to do it because you can't do it. Um, and then we're going to go to the hotel that's owned by the company that has the – or the the mall that's owned by the company that owns the hotel. And, okay, thanks for coming. Right. <laughs> so like, okay, great. No, thanks. And I'm going to stay another week. <laughs> so No, that, that makes some sense. Chris, you said something interesting be, uh, before about how when you run tours – you give people yeah. a, a little bit of time to explore on their own. Now, with at under thirty experiences, it's group travel for for young, small group travel for young people, ages twenty one mm-hmm. to thirty five, mainly uh, mainly North Americans, U.S. and Canada. Which, truth in advertising, I do not qualify as. Just you know, in case anybody sees a picture of me, never claim to. Matt knows this. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, Chris, I think you could have passed, but I'll just uh, I'll just say that out of, of flattery, I, I, I guess. Um, but it's it's interest. It's so interesting. It's it's fascinating actually to me because I'm I'm a pretty hardcore solo traveler. Um, and I love the time on my own. And I'm well. I'm an entrepreneur, and and not someone who really likes to be uh, guided in in a certain direction. I just like to wake up and feel like what I want to do that day, and and go ahead and do mm-hmm. it. Or say, oh, what are we going to do tomorrow? That might require a little planning. You know, I'm a kind of a one way ticket type of person, which I totally <laughs> understand is not uh, is not the majority, but our right. travelers often really struggle on those days. They either have FOMO because our trip leaders will give them the options. And if we give right. more than three or four options, mayhem breaks out and people want to do everything. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, calm down. You, you don't have to do everything. You just have one day. Hopefully right. you can come back to Costa Rica or where, wherever we are. Um, and let's do some one very meaningful thing and uh, and really enjoy it and be present. But that's that's hard uh, for people. Or it's kind of the deer in headlights idea where oh my god, I've just been guided for uh, six days. The seventh day <laughs> is is I'm on my own. You know, it's like uh, the training wheels are off. What do I do? What what would you tell those people? Well, so part of it is doing a little homework. And, and I say this as the guy who doesn't always do the little homework. <laughs> so uh, so the most recent trip, for instance, that we did was um, – so it wasn't like six days of heavy guiding and then one day off. It was – go. so we were in Prague, Krakow, and Budapest. And we got to the city. We had a welcome dinner. We did a half-day uh, intro walk. And then pretty much the rest of the time we were in that city – you're on your own. And so we were going around, you know, some of the people were hanging together in groups and some were going off on their own. Um, I was pleased that it was a group of people that was easily able to handle the free time. But some of them had really done their homework and knew that, oh, I'm in Prague. I want to go ride the Paternoster in the city hall, which is these crazy elevators with no doors that are in constant motion that you just jump on and try not to kill yourself. Oh, wow. Uh, but you know that person had been watching the Honest Guide to Prague video series, and so he had heard, learned about that. And and then these people knew that they needed to get a ticket right away for the parliament when we were in Budapest. And so some of us didn't get around to seeing the parliament because we hadn't done our homework and didn't react fast enough. Uh, but we were still finding other things that we were enjoying doing as well. But part of it is is putting in the homework and deciding what it is you want to see ahead of time, you know, knowing. But I think by part of it, that's you communicating on this day, we're going to give you these choices so people can do the homework might help a little bit. But 
definitely if you are traveling like I usually am on a limited time basis, not on the I'm a nomad, because nomads travel can travel very differently. Those of us who are trying to get back you know, on that return flight <laughs> and have you know a week or two weeks or something like that, which is why we target a week-long itinerary on amateur traveler because it's a very typical traveler's itinerary. Um, then it does help if you've you know researched it a bit. And I had one of the reasons that I do the podcast is that's what people tell me is I always listen to your show before I go places, so I have some idea of the options. But you know, that might be reading blogs or that might be reading the guidebook, whatever your mechanism is. It's having some idea of what you don't need to do also, right? It's, it is realizing that I may come back. I may not come back. I'm not going to have time to do everything. Uh, what are the things I'm most interested in? And so, for instance, in Prague, I was more interested in getting out to the other castle of Isharad that I had never been to. And I didn't take in a concert. That That's not something I needed to. But some of the other people, you know, they really wanted to take in one of the concerts. Okay, great. Terrific. That's one of the reasons that free time can be terrific is you can customize the trip so that you get to do what you want to do. Um, and I And I like trips that have some – that it's not a, if this is Tuesday, this must be Belgium. <laughs> we will now go here as a group sort of thing, uh, but have more of a mix. Right. And I like how you give the lay of the land in the very beginning. Everyone feels yeah, comfortable. Yeah. They got the rundown. They might know how to say a few phrases. Uh, they at or least not if it's Hungarian, you know, sure. <laughs> honestly, we were getting by in English uh, because, that is not a language that lends itself to a lot of deep learning. Uh, that's a tough language. No, I, I, absolutely. But at least people feel a little more comfortable or we're right. always telling people. I know how to use the subway now and, yeah, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Exactly. You're on uh, – you know, our, our tra- sometimes the tra- sometimes our travelers, I'm like, okay, guys, you're going out tonight, but – you know the name of the hotel, right? And people are like, oh, wait, what is it? I'm like, okay, here's the business yeah, I have, card. I have done that. <laughs> I am somebody who has a really good sense of direction, so I very, very rarely get lost. And so traveling solo, I remember one time I was in Oaxaca in Mexico, and I headed out from the hostel, not even remembering what the name of the hostel was. I mean, I'm so confident that I could find my way back. And, and I navigate not by street names, but by landmarks and what i hadn't realized is all the shops that i was using as landmarks they all closed before i was heading back and so they all looked like solid grates and uh, so all my landmarks went away first of all and then i also didn't realize they have two main squares and so i was off by one block because they're kitty corner from each other and so at one point i was you know a little turned around i found my way back eventually but there was the moment of oh i'm actually lost Oh, I see why people don't like this. <laughs> huh. how, how long ago was that? Oh, gosh. Uh, that was um, probably about 2010. Okay. So you still – Not necessarily the last time I've been lost, but eh, pretty close. <laughs> right. You you still could have popped into a, into a place with Wi-Fi and you know booted up your connection or, or whatever we did in 2010. It was not that long ago. I had device in my pocket in, in 2010. I mean that's, that's how long ago this was. If, if I did, it was a camera, a real sure. camera. <laughs> yeah. So, God. yeah, these days it's a lot easier because you've got a translator in your pocket. You've got a map in your pocket. If you're, if you're using some uh, cell phone plan that gives you international roaming, then it's, it's just a whole lot easier. It, it, it is. Do you ever feel uh, – do you ever feel, again, nostalgic for those days or you're probably not the kind of guy that looks at the young traveler and said, oh, yeah, back in my day. The only thing that I look at the young travelers and think they're missing out on is um, I try – I'm you know, I'm somebody who lives on the internet, lives on my laptop, but when I'm out walking around, um, I try not to have my nose in the device. I'm not, I, I don't worry about social media. It's, um, if I'm on a press trip and I need to send out something, you know, that's part of what I'm doing. I don't need to catch up with what's going on. I can do that in a hotel. When I'm walking around, I try and, you know, of course I've got an earbud in my ear and I'm listening to a podcast, but, you know, (laughs) 
but I try and at least watch where I'm of where I'm going and and observe the the surroundings and enjoy the fact that I'm in Krakow or wherever. Sure, and, and I even I'm a hardcore podcast listener, and I try to consume the content and the audiobooks and all these type of things. But especially when I've just arrived to a place, I'm like, all right, let me not. I don't want to. Uh, De- debilitate one of my five senses here. Let me take out the <laughs> headphones. Let me observe. See, I only got one in. Yeah, right. I only put in one earbud. So, you know, I'm, I'm half there. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and I, I really try, okay, let me be fully present and not right. have my headphones in. Um, and also, when you walk around with your nose in your phone in an unknown place, you become a target. You know, it's clear when someone is lost, just like you used to see people with their, with their maps and the guidebooks on the corner. And now you, you never see that. It's always just someone trying to figure out where they are and why isn't my Google maps working here? Right. Um, so, okay. So, so Chris, I wanted people to leave with uh, a little bit of actionable stuff. I, I two questions for you. One is because your expertise is helping people know what to do when they get to a city or design their own little itinerary. Mm -hmm. um, Do you have a framework that you would suggest above and beyond just like, all right, do your research, figure out what you want to go do and see and go check the boxes when they get to a place? Do you have something that you would suggest might allow them to become perhaps a better traveler or enjoy themselves more? I can tell you what we do, which is my, my wife has the big thing with the, the calendar. She'll she'll just take a piece of paper and draw her own calendar and start filling in, okay, we're going to be in Tokyo, for instance, in a week and a half. And so she'll look at the places that we have thought about and we're, you know, planning with five people. And so we've got a Google spreadsheet actually that has, you know, links to places you can look up what I'm talking about and people voting on which things they're interested in because we've got to take into account different people's things. And then she went and said, okay, I think it looks like these are in the west side of the city. We're going to put those on this date. And, you know, just kind of a basic framework of a plan. Uh, that I think is going to be subject to change uh, because it, you know, it has to be, <laughs> uh, I think. Well, there are different levels of planning. So what I, what I don't do, I had a friend actually, actually who's just traveled with me uh, to Eastern Europe or Central Europe, rather, who she had a coworker who was about to go on sabbatical in two months. And, he had done a level of planning that I am not recommending. <laughs> so he had picked out, you know, what cities he wanted to stay in and had his hotels all picked out. Okay. We, we do that sometimes. Although for a longer trip like that, that, you know, okay, that's, you can think about whether that's either you want to have a little more flexibility in that, but I, I get that. But he also gone on the internet and picked the restaurants he wanted to eat at for each meal. Okay, well, that's that's definitely not something that I would do. Then he had gone on the internet and looked at the menus and knew and had in a spreadsheet what he was going to order Whoa. for each meal for a multi-week trip that was still a couple months in advance. I don't think you need to do that. I think there is the, hey, that looks good, or what's that I'm smelling sort of things that are part of travel for me. So it's somewhere in between, I don't know what to do because I didn't do my homework. <laughs> and so then I come home and figure it out, you know, we did this on one of our first trips to Germany. Oh, I was a mile away from this old Roman city and I'm a history buff and I would have loved it, but I hadn't picked up a guidebook and didn't know, you know, we were literally had no plan when we went over to Europe and decided day by day. And because of that, I missed something that I came really close to and just didn't know was there. Um, so there's that other extreme that I think doesn't work as well for me. I can imagine that that might not work so well for you. Uh, I can also, 
I can also imagine, oh God, if there are under 30 experiences, uh, travelers listening, I, and I know they are, please don't do that on our trips and drive our trip leaders crazy because where we go, and if you get, uh, quote, off the beaten path or you're traveling in Latin America, say, uh, you may find these places happen to be closed or uh, they just might be out of fish. And that amazing ceviche that you read about on TripAdvisor might just not <laughs> be there. Uh, and, and I hope that you get it. But uh, we even have travelers who will ask previous travelers, oh, did you go on the uh, the Peru trip? And they'll tell them the details. And it's a good way to set yourself up for uh, disappointment if you go in with with such expectations uh, that are it's difficult to 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 meet them in in the developing worlds uh, it, at least it can be <laughs> it it absolutely can. so I wanted to comment comment there but I think that's very wise advice Chris and then finally I think so many people are intrigued by the life that you've been able to create for yourself as a blogger and podcaster and business owner. And so I'm curious if somebody else uh, was a newbie to the travel industry and wanted to get their feet wet uh, or, or grow their following so that it could be a sustainable, quote, side hustle or uh, mm -hmm. hopefully a full-time thing, what would you recommend them? I, I wish there was an easy shortcut I could recommend. Uh, for me, it has been make good content, keep making good content, stick with it. <laughs> uh, and literally, I was doing this for five years before I made any money probably, or at least much of any money or had anybody offer me any sort of trips or things like that. I think that's because it was 2005 instead of, you know, 2018. So that's a little different now, but there's certainly some people who have unrealistic expectations for how much time it might take uh, or how much work it might take that they're really, you need to stand out. And there are a lot of people out there, and you stand out by not just by the Twitter stunt or something like that, but by giving people what they want or giving people what they need. Uh, I tend to focus more on the giving people what they need uh, part of that. So more about the education than entertainment. But some people approach it from the other, pro you know, the other way around. Um, and then depending on what your approaches so for instance for me i wasn't a nomad right i started amateur traveler with a full-time job in a startup company uh so that that part of it was true at one time and then wasn't true and then was true again and then you know I've, I've changed jobs a few times while i have been doing this uh and i started when i was a EVP of engineering and operations in a Silicon Valley startup company uh, shortly after, you know, the bubble burst and uh, things like that. So I wasn't traveling full time. So the content strategy that I was not my original plan and my original plan was I'm going to talk about my travels. Because that's what everybody thinks about when you start a podcast, at least at that time. You know, uh, those are those few of us who were thinking about starting podcasts in 2005. And then it didn't make sense because I was traveling four weeks a year and podcasting 48 weeks a year. And that math does not work. And so if you're hitting the road as a full-time nomad, you're going to have a different strategy than if you're uh, doing this as a weekend warrior, uh, as a, you know, doing nights and weekends in nights and weekends, you know, think about where, why people are coming to your area and start there, become the, the local destination expert and develop your reputation as somebody who produces good content where you are potentially, uh, if that's a thing, or on a on things that you have learned about, you know, not just the the where, but maybe the why or the how or those sort of things. Um, but it depends on your strategy. It depends, you know, for some of us, the uh, throw everything off and and leave town wasn't necessarily an option. wasn't a, wasn't a goal, let's say. Um, 
And so there are different strategies that make more sense for certain people. You know, you, you talked to Gary Arndt before. Uh, Gary will talk about people, you know, should do it this way or that way. Well, Gary sold two companies first. You know, that, that's a great strategy if right, you can that do helps. that. Uh, yeah, yeah, do that first. Uh, absolutely. That, that's going to make it easier for anybody uh, to do traveling and not have to worry about, you know, are you going to make anything on affiliate sales when you don't have any readers and things like that? So there are a lot of different ways to do it. And I've seen people be successful in a number of different ways. And I've seen a lot of people who didn't make it work. Um, there are more people these days who are finding ways to make it work. Those who do are really working their butts off. Well, that's, uh, that, is, that is great to highlight. I appreciate your candor. And as you said, content and consistency that's that seems to be what it's all about. That's uh, that content quality and consistency. Yep, <laughs> that's right. Yes, I, and I, I do mean when I say content, I mean uh, quality content. Yep, of exactly. <laughs> you can uh, outlast the. And there are a lot of different ways to define quality content, and it's going to be different quality to different people. You need to figure out who your audience is and who your audience isn't. And don't worry about the people who are not your audience. Um, you know, I have people all the time who start shows and I think, boy, that's I'm not their audience. And at least one of them that I ran into recently, you know, had won a couple Emmys. So she found an audience. <laughs> it just wasn't me. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, Chris, if people want to connect with you, become part of your community, where can they reach out and uh, especially listen into your podcast? Uh, listening in the podcast, you can find everything at amateurtraveler.com, including um, you know my contact email address there, as well as social media and all the all the other things. So amateurtraveler.com is the the center of my travel empire. <laughs> the empire, I like it. I like that you called it that, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. You're welcome. What's up, Live Different Podcast listeners? It's Matt coming to you with a special little announcement about our new Thailand yoga retreat. We are very excited that Luz and I, our incredible yoga teacher, and my even more incredible girlfriend are going to be running this yoga and mindfulness retreat in Koh Samui, Thailand. You're going to get to see a little bit about the Buddhism that's practiced there in Thailand. We are, of course, going to be practicing yoga twice a day, practicing mindfulness, having an amazing ocean oceanfront retreat there. Uh, and if you want in, here's how you do it. Message me on Instagram at Matt Wilson TV. I'll tell you what the deal is, and I would love to hang out with you in person and take this podcast to the next level. So hit me up. Would love to see you in person in Thailand. See you then.